sixth episode of the Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Green, joined as always by my lovely co-host Dave Latham. Dave, say hi to everybody. How's it going, everyone? I was in a nine-day coma, so I missed the start of the season, but I have to assume everything's going great. We're led by a fantastic starting rotation and an offense that knows how to hit and a defense that really knows how to play good defense, right? I didn't miss anything, did I? You're sitting down, Dave. Are you sitting down? Why? Well, is that not exactly how this season started? Dave, I hate to break it to you, but the Red Sox are bad at baseball right now. Oh, God, it's all over. Cancel the season. Tank for 2020. Trade Mookie. Trade Alex Cora. I don't even care. Find a way to trade Tom Brady while you're at it. Because <laughs> those things are entirely interrelated. Uh, yeah, also here with me today is uh, our lovely co-host and producer, Chris Drozen. Chris? I already said hi. He did say hi. But we also have our friend Danny back on the show. Danny writes for Red Sox Unfiltered. He's been on the podcast before. Danny, say hi. Hey, everyone. How's how's it going? You know, happy happy to be here. Wish the Sox weren't bad at baseball right now, but they are, so we, we, we have to deal with it. Yeah, we're going to take what we can get. Uh, to recap, while we are recording this, uh, the Red Sox are 2-7. and seven. They just had an incredibly awful loss to the Diamondbacks last night, 15-8. to eight. Um, Wow. Guys, there's a lot to unpack here, and like on the surface level, it's just been that the Red Sox are purely bad, but l- let's do some investigating a little further. Um, I want to see what your guys' uh, kind of cert- generic opinions on the Red Sox start so far. So I'll start with you, Dave. What 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 has been the issues you've, you've noticed? I mean, so it's pretty blatant, but... <laughs> The biggest issue, which is obvious, is the starting pitchers. Through uh, however many turns through the rotation, nine turns, um, they have a 9.6 ERA. They're allowing more than one run per inning, and that's frankly unacceptable. Everyone, there's a lot of people pointing to Alex Cora for being too cautious with them in spring training, and maybe that's a little bit, but most of this, to me, falls on the players. They're professional athletes, and at this point, you're better than this. This is an incredibly talented group of pitchers, and I don't know why it's this bad. But there's also been a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes, just like mentally speaking, like Mookie and Jackie Bradley not calling for a ball. That one game was obvious. But yesterday, uh, a ball fell right between Mookie, J.D., and Brock Holt. Jackie Bradley and Mookie collided in center field. Uh, I think that was in the Seattle series. And they've been making a lot of outs on the bases, which is a bit more characteristic because the team could never run the bases all that well. But it's just how many times do you need to be thrown out in the outfield by Oakland before you learn to not run on the guy? It's just been ugly baseball all around. I mean, the bullpen's been the only halfway decent part. I think I, I saw a stat that since maybe August, uh, he, how do you pronounce his name? Raymond Lariano? Is that, is that his? Yeah, uh, R- Ramon, I think. Ramon, Ramon Lariano. Is, am I pronouncing the last name right? Uh, anyway, he has like 12 assists, uh, outfield assists since August, and the next closest is five. That is insane. I, I think I think moral story, don't run on him, like, ever. Like, anytime if the Red Sox face him going forward, like, that guy's got a cannon. Even if it's uh, a home run, just stay at first. <laughs> stay at first base and hope for the best. Uh, what about you, Chris? What are some things you've been noticing? Uh, my favorite thing right now is that by winning percentage, the Red Sox have the third worst record in the entirety of MLB. Uh, only only better than the Chicago Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds. 
<laughs> so that's fun. Yeah. Um, they're, they're actually worse than the Miami Marlins right now, but they haven't played the same number of games. But by winning percentage, you know, it's uh, it's not good. Um, I, it, it's the same kind of thing for me. It's sloppy baseball. Um, you know, it's almost like it's almost like they they're they're playing spring training right now and doing all the sloppy things right now, and that's that's it's kind of what you had the entirety of uh, the little bit of February and March for uh, to to do the sloppy stuff. But they're they're really doing the sloppy stuff right now, and that's no good. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's been incredibly sloppy for for like on, on multiple fronts. Uh, what what about you, Danny? What have, what have you noticed so far? What's caught your eye? Uh, well, pretty much everything's caught my eye. Uh, like it's just, it just hasn't been it hasn't been a whole lot of fun to watch. And I think I think honestly, that this start to the season has kind of like put in perspective how great last year's team was because last year's team. It took them 29 games to lose seven. They started off the season 22 and six before losing that seventh game, and now we're nine games in, and we're losing, uh, and we're losing uh, seven games already. So, I mean, it's not it's not a super big cause for concern because it's only nine games into the season, but something needs to change. Obviously, the starting pitching has been brutal. There's been like a total of, I think, like one quality start, and we still lost that game because we didn't score any runs for Chris Sale. Um, yeah, so like even the one the one game that Chris Sale let up one run in whatever, six innings, we, we just couldn't get any offense going. So like the, the one halfway decent part, like like Dave said, has been the part that everybody was um, worried about the most, which was the bullpen. The bullpen has been able to kind of stop the bleeding for the most part, not not so much last night. But I don't know. It's, it hasn't been good when when the when the pitching's been okay. The offense has been missing, and when the pitch when the offense actually does get going, there's no pitching. So right, I I think they just. I mean, it doesn't help that they have like the worst start to the season for the schedule. Eleven games in eleven days on the West Coast, so yeah. I'm I'm sure that has something to do with it. But it, there's no excuse for just being this out of sync. Yeah, I think everybody just wants the Red Sox to get back home at this point, get back to Boston. This West Coast stuff has been absolutely brutal. They so I know obviously like contextualizing this team's April start from last year to this year is kind of very illuminating. It's it's not it's cause for concern, but it's not it's not damning. There's so much time left. It's only nine games. But at the same time the Red Sox playoff chances have dropped and David and I talked about this before podcasts from like ninety percent to start the season to seventy percent. This is uh, just making the playoffs um, on fan graphs. So you know seventy percent chance is still a very high number, but the fact that they've fallen twenty percentage in a little over a week yeah, that's concerning. Uh, the rotation is obviously been the biggest concern. They they have an ERA like north of nine, almost ten. The next closest team ERA is like for starters is like seven fifty ish in the Chicago Cubs. They literally have twice the amount of negative WAR as the next closest team in starting rotation F WAR. Uh, it's also the Cubs. So um, it's not been a great start for the Red Sox. It's it's the rotation has looked in disarray, and then I, and I want to say I, I think we should talk about the rotation next because I don't know if you guys are how what kind of level of concern you're expressing. Do you think there are certain guys in this rotation that are that this is a sign of a larger issue, and then that this could become uh, prevalent through the entire season, or do you think this like all of them are just a victim of, of some really bad luck right now? 
Uh, I'll, I'll give it to you, Dave, first. Like, if you could talk about the rotation a little deeper, like, do you think that this is going to uh, like be a recurring problem? Like, is the rotation now a weakness? So the rotation isn't a weakness. I fully expect Chris Sale to get his velocity back and build up to being the ace that we know. I'm not sure if he can do it into the end of the season because he's never been able to do that. But I think by the time May, June rolls around, you'll be seeing the Chris Sale we all know and love. Same goes with the rest of the pitchers, except for Eduardo Rodriguez. I, I, I can't fight it anymore. He's Clay Buckholtz. I'm done trying to see through all of Eddie's limitations and focus only on his strengths. He's Clay Buckholtz. It just is what it is. You're gonna, the sooner we all accept it, the sooner we can move on and just accept he's going to be annually frustrating to watch because he can be so much better than he's actually going to be. And I think uh, in terms of Eduardo Rodriguez, remember, wasn't Chris's bet? We did, we did a betting episode uh, for predictions a couple weeks ago. And I think one of Chris's bets was that Eduardo Rodriguez was going to pitch more innings than Chris Sale. Um, I think all, I think I think that. all of my bets are pretty much wrong at this point. <laughs> the third so, night. so far, so good. Hey, I said Heath Embry was going to be better than Ryan Brazier, and that has not looked good so far. Embry hasn't been terrible, though. No, he has not been terrible. But I mean, Ryan Brazier has actually done very well, to my surprise. Thanks, Skippy. He has. And Jackie Bradley Jr. is not great. But, uh, yeah, um, Danny, can you talk to me about uh, what's your thoughts about the rotation? Do, do, do you think that they're going to be bad going forward? Uh, I don't think they're going to be, like, bad because it is essentially the same team, that, that we, the same rotation that we saw so many good things out of last year. I mean, Sale and Price, I think, are going to get it together. I think Evaldi hasn't looked awful like in the, in his second start actually he he settled down in his last two innings of work which i think was was kind of key after he kind of got off to a little bit of a rough start so uh i think them three are okay uh porcello's looked brutal but he sometimes has those type of games where he gets like shelled because he he doesn't have that overpowering stuff so when he's not locating his two seam on the corner and you know Located with his uh, and his cur- uh, curve is and doing what it's doing. He's going to have a couple of those horrible games. It's kind of stunk that he's had them back to back in the start of the season, but I think he'll be all right. But yeah, I agree. Uh, Erod is probably the one that I'm not expecting much out of this year. He he looks just the same, and he he might have a couple of quality starts, but I I doubt it. So four fifths of the rotation is is going to be okay, I think, but. That 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 fifth starter spot is not it's not going to be pretty all year, I don't think. Yeah, I, th- I think there were concerns going into the year about Eduardo Rodriguez, but they are certainly being amplified right now because before you got five innings of work, and you know they weren't very efficient, and it took a hundred pitches to get there. But at least he was pitching well, and he was only giving up right. a runner here. Yeah, but now it's like, oh, you're it's going to be this, you know awful and painful to watch and it's going to not be the results that you're looking for. So it's, it's been very interesting um, how this rotation shake out. We're going to have to talk about Chris sale too, though, because um, I don't know if you guys are concerned, but I think a lot of there's, there's um, a lot of concern with him too, because his velocity has been considerably down this season. Um, it was 80, it was around 89 last game and like his average is 94, 96. So I wanted to ask you guys what, what your thoughts were about Chris Sale. Obviously, he just signed a very lucrative extension 
Um, so uh, I'll start with you, Danny. We'll, we'll go in, in, in reverse order here. Uh, are you worried about Chris Sale? Uh, I'm slightly worried because anytime you make that type of financial uh, commitment and fit for five years and now all of a sudden he's lost 10 miles per hour off his fastball, it's not, it's not great. So, but I, I don't, I don't know if he's really talked much about it. I don't know if he's just not feeling good to start the season, if his mechanics are just off, but uh, whatever it is, I'm hope I'm hoping like, I mean, if, if he's not throwing a hundred, that's fine. But I'd like to see him at least, you know, 93 to 95. Whenever you start going under that 90 mile per hour range, you, you, you have to depend heavily on your uh, on your secondary pitches, which he was actually able to do pretty effectively uh, his last start. But that I mean that that's just beside the point. If if uh, if Chris Sale is going to be the Chris Sale that we know him, he has to have that type of velocity on his fastball. So I'm. I'm I'm slightly worried. I'm, I'll give it a couple more starts. Maybe this needs to get some rust from spring training off. But um, but yeah, I, I, I'm 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 slightly nervous. Yeah, and I, I think we obviously saw elements of this in last uh, year's start of the season, where it seemed they were going for a conservation approach with him, and he started firing like below ninety, around ninety. Um, there was one start in particular against the Orioles in April. It was a really awful rainy game, but. He actually averaged like the same amount of velocity he averaged in, in his last start. But I, that being said, um, when he was having his velocity dip, uh, he was still being very effective. Like his strikeouts were there. Uh, he was relying on secondary stuff, but he was doing so with, with, with good underlying numbers because obviously Chris Sale has really good secondary stuff. Now he's going to be more effective with a 96-mile-per-hour fastball than an 89-mile-per-hour fastball, but he was still able to, to pitch well. Um, his first start obviously didn't go well. And his velocity wasn't as big of an issue. It was still very concerning. But th- this one was really, to me at least, just um, very illuminating. But his second start, um, that uh, against the Oakland Athletics, he was only he only gave one run. But he only he walked two guys and he struck out one. That is mm-hmm. not sustainable, especially for Chris Zale, um, to pitch well going forward. So if he's like throwing those kind of underlying numbers, uh, that to me is... Is, is not going to be very fruitful for him. Uh, w- what about you, Chris? What, w- what are your thoughts on, on Chris Sale's start so far? I th- like I said before, the, the Red Sox are basically in spring training now, uh, <laughs> which is kind of frustrating. So I think that's, I think that's really what it's a product. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a wait-and-see thing, and, and we saw evidence of this happening last year, so I'm not totally concerned either. Uh, what about you, Dave? Yeah, I'm in the same boat where it's obviously frustrating to watch him throwing 89 miles an hour, but at the same point, this appeared to be the plan to ramp him up slowly. And, I mean, I'm with Chris in the sense that I don't expect Chris Sale to age well, and the fact that you basically have to take a month off in the early season to even have a prayer of having him last into September, October, I mean, and he's 29 now, it's only going to get worse. Is this really the guy that you should have invested $29 million a year in? If you know it's going to be like this now, and guy pitchers especially really fall off a cliff when they hit thirty, and it's just it is what it is. But whatever, so he'll be fine. He'll build up his arm, and who knows if this will work on actually getting him effective in September and October? Who knows? Let's talk about the lineup now, too. Um, we haven't really hit on that. Uh, it's kind of been mixed results, as Danny kind of was talking about. There were days when they were hit getting like seven, eight runs, but the starting rotation gave up 10, so it didn't even matter. 
But there was also that series in Oakland when they were just falling flat and they only scored like one or no runs when they got some strong pitching performances. So they're 11th in war uh, offensively. They have a middle of the pack, uh, 104 WRC plus. So it, it's been okay, but there are a lot of guys who have not really gotten hot to start the season. Honestly, the only really the guy who's gotten really scorching is JD Martinez. Blake Swihart too, but he hasn't had as many at bats. Um, so yeah, talk to me about your early opinions on the lineups. Who, whose start have you enjoyed, and whose start do you think is cause for concern, and who's going to bounce back? I'll, I'll start with you, Dave. So um, JD Martinez, like you said, is doing JD Martinez things. It's awesome. By and large, we have a pretty you know average to slightly above average offense, which is kind of. It's a bit less than what I was expecting, but it's fine for starting up in April on the West Coast in the middle of an 11-game road trip. But everyone's forgetting about that because everything else around the team is just so awful. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr., I think it's safe to say that the, you know, I fixed my career with my swing is a lie. That's kind of a myth. We're going to get the same old Jackie we always get where it's going to be cold for a month and then he's going to catch fire for a month and then we're going to go back to the cold and we'll average out to it'll average out to a decent hitter but it's either going to be unstoppable or terrible just like it always is with Jackie so um that's basically where we are with that um the offense you know slightly underperforming but it's not anywhere close to the top of my concern yeah rotation is obviously probably at the top of our concern right actually bullpen and, still and uh making errors that would get you benched in little league that's up there too yeah, the, when Jackie Bradley Jr. and Mookie Betts looked at each other. Right at each right. other. And it was like a, that 2013 World Series uh, game where, uh, I forget which pitcher it was, but on the Cardinals and the catcher just stared at each other as Steven yeah. Drew's pop, like, pop-up just landed directly between them. Oh, yeah. 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 Do you remember, uh, I don't know if you saw the Padres game last year where the, there was a team, Eric Hosmer, like, dropped one. Everyone was looking at each other in the infield. Literally just fell and it was a walk-off, so. That reminded me of that. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Hosmer the Astros won that game, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was mad <laughs> that at that because I thought that might that might be the difference in playoff seating. <laughs> hey, it worked out for uh, for the Red Sox. Um, yeah, that was very emblematic. I saw the two best defensive players on the team, two of the best defensive players in the world, literally fly ball, just looking mm-hmm. at each other. Um, yeah. It also kind of happened last night. Jackie Bradley wasn't on the field, but I don't know if you saw that like shallow fly ball. I think Zach Godley actually hit it, and it was between Betts, Martinez, and Brock Holt, I believe. Um, yep. It looked like Betts could have had a play on it, but J.D. Martinez just kind of was too imposing, and he, he kind of like inserted himself. Um, I, I thought Betts had a play if Martinez kind of backed off and just let Betts run up to it. But yeah, it landed between the three, and there's been some really bad defensive miscues. Uh, lineup wise, it's 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 been it's been mixed results. Uh, talk to me, Chris, about about your opinions of the 2019 Red Sox lineup to this point. Uh, feed me Blake Swihart catching every day, or at least three out of five games. Um, I will. I, I really like what he's been doing so far. Um, the small sample that he's had. Um, so so give me that any day of the week. Um, I'm not really. I, I don't really have concerns, and it's only. I'm only not concerned about the lineup because you're on the road for, what is it, 11 games? And yeah. the lineup, I feel like historically, hasn't performed well when they go to the West Coast, which I think is partly what's amplifying this is because they're on the West Coast. Generally, they don't do so great on the West Coast. 
um, and where we're we're sitting here looking for answers, but it's the beginning of the season. Um, if this happened in the middle of the season, we probably either a we wouldn't notice, or b we'd be like, ah, everything's fine. Um, and I, I I just don't I don't see any other real like glaring issues with the lineup. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the West Coast, I don't know if it's a West Coast problem. I think it's an Oakland A's problem. Whenever they play the Oakland A's, the Red Sox just, uh, at least in the past few years, they've just kind of crapped themselves. Um, obviously, we had the no-no against this last year in Oakland. That was like the one bad game of, of all games. And uh, yeah, I, I remember last year the when the Red Sox went to the West Coast, it was pretty early on. Mookie Betts had like, what, three home runs against Shohei Otani? Does anyone remember that? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, he went yeah. nuts. Yeah, yeah. I think we won that series like twenty-seven to three, like all the games combined. Yeah, that, it was that, ridiculous. That was, that was unbelievable. That was like that was like high point early in the season where you're like, oh, okay, yeah. this this team's special. That was yeah, that's when one sixty-one and one was a legit thought. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that like their, their West Coast trip last year went marvelously outside of the Oakland Athletics. Whenever we played the Oakland Athletics, it doesn't really go well. And this kind of continued again. But, I mean, the Mariners gave us more of a headache anyway. Uh, I never want to see the Seattle Mariners again. Um, but, yeah, in, in terms of um, Danny, give, give me your thoughts on, on, on the lineup so far. Oh, obviously, um, J.D. Martinez has looked good. Mookie's had some some good swings. We know he's going to break out at any time. Uh, Bogarts has looked fine. Moreland's been swinging the bat really good. Uh the rest of them have been kind of underwhelming. Benintendi has had a couple of good swings on the ball, but nothing. He, he hasn't broken out yet. Devers is still being Rafael Devers. Uh, and, uh, yeah, JBJ, his swing is still the same. I don't care what people say. So <laughs> What uh, I say. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it, it hasn't been great, but it's been, I mean, I think I think anybody could have seen this from the lineup. If if you had, if you had told me that these exact like stats offensively, I would be like, okay, that makes sense. We're probably like five and four or six and three, but uh, no, it's it's really it's been mostly the pitching. I think if if like the the offense has been fine, it hasn't been up to par with what we've seen. But I think uh, I think the the offense has been. It's it's been fine. It, like if it weren't for the pitching, we wouldn't even have to talk about the offense. Yeah, I think it's way too early to even like come up with with conclusions or you know generalizable results. Um, but the the elite guys in the Red Sox lineup, like the the, the main hitters, Mookie Betts, Jay Martinez, Andrew Bogarts, Andrew Benintendi, um, you're not seeing consistent production from three out of the four. J.D. Martinez has obviously gone to a good start. Bogarts has been pretty good, too. But Benintendi and, and Betts have not really been hitting their stride yet. And they will. I have no doubt about that. I have no concern. And then, like, peripheral guys, like Jackie Bradley Jr. actually looks awful right now. And I'll be the first one to say, despite being a JB, the number one JBJ fan, he, he, he is not hitting the ball with authority either, which is concerning. He looks lost in his plate. He, he looks like he's getting in a really bad funk right now despite having a, a scorching spring training and having this narrative built around him that he was going to have a revamp swing. Like, I can even see it. Like, it looks like he's trying to launch, and it is just failing. Like, instead of, like, you, you see J.D. Martinez launching the ball and it'll go 1,000 feet for a home run. You see Jackie Bradley Jr., it's a shallow pop-up. So, yeah, there's there's been differences, and it's, it's not been fun. Uh, Christian Vasquez um, has kind of uh, been a little interesting to watch. He hasn't hit terribly, I guess, but... 
Blake Swihart coming in there, and his OPS yeah. is like over sixteen hundred, I think. But I mean, very small sample size. I feel like he was only has like maybe ten at bats. But Swihart's been fun to watch. Um, I think everyone's getting to that point where they want Swihart to catch. Um, but we miss Sandy Leon from the bottom of our hearts. There's a, there's yeah. this uh, this is uh, kind of narrative being built that the reason the Red Sox rotation is so bad is because they miss Sandy. Um, <laughs> So I don't know <laughs> it is that, but you want to go ahead on that? No, it's not because we're missing Sandy Leone. Sandy Leone is not the difference between a top five rotation in baseball and the absolute worst. That's just asinine. Chris Sale would not be hitting 60, would not be hitting 95 miles an hour. If Sandy Leone were back there, David Price would not be hitting the corners where Christian Vasquez lines up. If Sandy Leone were back there, Rick Porcello all of that is the same. That it's it's not like Christian Vasquez sits in the middle of the plate and says, "Okay, give me eighty-five right down the middle. This one's going over left center." No, Chris, <laughs> like the pitchers just aren't hitting their marks. That's on the pitchers. It's not bad pitch selection. It's not bad game calling. It's pitchers just missing their spots and not having their stops. Sandy doesn't make that better. I, th- I think a fair comparison would be like the Angels with Mike Trout, like with or without him, they're not making the playoffs. And I feel like a similar thing could be said about the only active AAA player in baseball. Um, but yeah, Sandy Leone, um, I guess I missed that guy. I don't know. But yeah, lives li- have been mixed results. I've said it a couple times, and, and we'll, we'll continue to watch out for that. But there's not a lot of uh, really much to say on that regard. Uh, bullpen, guys, is it. Are, are you guys buying that the bullpen may be better than we thought? Uh, I'll, I'll start with you, Dave. Um, def- well, better than the average fan thought or better than I thought? Because it's it's performing better than I thought. I don't think they can keep it up for a whole season, but I do think it can be a decent bullpen. I've been on the Matt Barnes Express all off season. I like Ryan Brazier. Tyler Thornburg, I'll admit I wasn't in on, but he's pitched well the last two games, and I really like our minor league depth. Durbin Feltman blew a save last night, but I fully expect that to be like, you know, a fluke performance. I think once he gets more minor league experience, I could see him being a contributor on this team still. I still like Travis Lincolns. There's some decent arms in here, and I think we, we're never going to be the New York Yankees bullpen, but I think we're going to be a pretty good, or not pretty good, a pretty average bullpen. Yeah, I, you, you've always been kind of bullish on the bullpen, especially relative to every other Red Sox fan. So. Yeah, it's kind of worked out um, so far, especially compared to our other facets of this team. But yeah, Matt Barnes has looked good. Ryan Brazier's looked good. Um, it's been it's been kind of it's it's been a nice sign, especially because there are not a lot of nice signs right now. But that's been one of them. Uh, what what about you, Chris? Uh, what what are your early thoughts on this 2019 bullpen? Uh, I I I may have been wrong about Tyler Thornburg. It's it's too early. And he, he's doing okay now after that after that weird beginning, but uh, now I think I think they're actually the one bright spot, aren't they? Uh, I, aside from Brian Basically. Johnson, Brian Johnson going out there and puking on his shoes yesterday, um, <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, they're the one bright spot. Yeah, Evan Drellick. Uh, Evan Drellick tweeted it out. We don't know who's. Uh, we don't know who's going down yet. I could see a Brian Johnson uh, injury. I don't think DFA just because he always wanted to keep pitching depth around. But I I don't think it's necessarily bullpen help. We need a spot starter tomorrow. Johnson pitched yesterday and got killed. Velasquez pitched the day before that. I, I think if we don't need Walden uh, tomorrow, he might be starting on Sunday because he has minor league experience starting. It's not 
good experience, but it is experience. And if you don't have Johnson or Velasquez available, Walden's already on the 40, and Mike Schwarren probably needs more time in the minors, so why not? Maybe this means we're going to get our first bullpen day tomorrow. Uh, lovely. <laughs> Can't wait for that. <laughs> uh, um, what, what, what about you, Danny? What have you been thinking about this bullpen so far? I, I've been I've been impressed. I mean, I uh, I I thought even before the season that uh, that the bullpen like whole commit. I mean, I I wasn't necessarily sure about the whole closer situation, but I mean. Unluckily, we haven't really needed closer because we haven't been leading any games. But uh, <laughs> so, so we haven't really seen that so far. But uh, so Brazier and Barnes each got a save opportunity and both did really well. So I've, I've been impressed with them. Colton Brewer has probably been probably the most surprising. He's he's pitched uh, over three, almost four innings, no runs, which is more than any of the starters can say. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm fine with the bullpen right now. It's uh, it looks pretty good. Like you said, it's been like the one bright spot, which is I think uh, contrary to every other Sox fan's uh, expectations. Yeah, um, they're middle of the pack in terms of bullpen ERA, four twenty eight. They have an exactly zero WAR, which isn't great, but they're nineteenth, and I think that number is considerably distorted by Brian Johnson's puking on his shoes as Chris so elegantly <laughs> laid out earlier because. Seven inning, seven earned runs in, in, in an inning will do that to you. And I'm glad you yeah. mentioned Colton Brewer. Uh, Colton Brewer's been been a guy. Brandon Worker yeah. too. He isn't a lot of runs. Yeah. He's his strikeout rate's over 15. Or it's actually right. exactly 15. So yeah. there are some guys you're looking at and be like, hey, maybe this isn't as as bad as we think. Um, yeah, Brian Johnson's been the one guy who's who's been struggling so far. Besides Eduardo Nunez, he is a nine ERA. So oh yeah, <laughs> can't, can't yeah. forget about that. Sure, sure. We we need we need more he, Nunez pitching. He allows just, just less kidding. runs per inning than the starters do. So that yeah, that is his ERA is better than the Red Sox rotation. Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> yeah, that should have been one of our prop bets, man. <laughs> I know. Oh, that should have been who would pitch the most innings. Uh, better players. better ERA through nine games, Eduardo Nunez mm-hmm. or the starting rotation? And yes, Eduardo Nunez pitches. <laughs> I'm, I'm, who do you think is going to throw more innings this year, Brock Holzer, Eduardo Nunez? Well, Nunez is clearly on the top of the chart. I thought well, yeah, I w- played yesterday. No, no, well, I didn't, did he? Did, did he play yesterday? Is that what you asked? Uh, I don't I don't know if uh, he started played. last year. He started yesterday. Oh, so okay. Nunez. I think Devers had a day off, correct? No. I'm missing things up. But Holt definitely played because he was there um, missing that shell fly. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, Nunez could be our fifth starter right now, you know. Hey, better than Eduardo Rodriguez, right? No, no, yeah. that was me. That's not true. <laughs> Might be better than Marcus Walden. Yeah. So, yeah. do you have any thoughts on the Walden move, Danny? Um, this is obviously kind of developing. We don't really know much about it, but do you have any thoughts on Marcus Walden getting called up? Where he's going to figure? Well, I, I think he, he, he had some decent moments last year, but I, I, wait, I'm, I'm just a little confused. Wait, why do we need a spot starter tomorrow? Cora said that he doesn't want to keep on using the rotation. He wants to give him a rest. So At, at, that, uh, at this point, it's fair. Yeah, he, he, announced, he announced it before the season started, but I will gladly okay. take a break anyway. So. All right, yeah, so I guess in that case, um, yeah, for, I, I could see Walden doing all right. I don't know. I, I don't have exactly his stats from last year, but 
I think in limited time that he was up, he, he wasn't, he wasn't horrible. So I think he could, he could be a decent addition, maybe make that spot start like you were saying. So yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the deal, especially if it means uh, getting one of the, maybe Brian Johnson uh, out of the game for a little while. Cause I've seen enough of him. Yeah. It's yeah. Me too. Um, Okay, so we got some Twitter questions before we go here. We got a lot. I think we have three or four, right? I think um, we're up to four, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to take take some questions from, from the listeners slash commenters, and and uh, we'll see what we can. We'll try to give them the best answers possible. Uh, so our first one's from Mark at a who's fan, A-H-O-O-S fan. So follow him on Twitter. Um, his question is, to be honest, I haven't watched much baseball this year, but I'd like to know what's up with second base. That's a very good question. Oh, that uh, is Dave, a good question. Dave, what's up with second base? Who's on first second? off, Mark? You're not missing much, and I wish I were you. Uh, second off, second base right now, the plans Eduardo Nunez and Brock Holt hasn't been going that well, but but, but Dustin Pedroia is just around the corner. He's had two games at Greenville, I believe. He's gone. He went one for two yesterday, which was nice. And I think he went two for three the game before. I know Alex Cora spoke about hoping to get him for opening day, uh, or not opening day, the home opener. I'm not sure if we're on pace to do that still, but he should be back sooner rather than later. And once that happens, it's going to be Pedroia probably three out of every five days, and then you sprinkle in Nolton, Holton Nunez as appropriate. Yeah, that that's you, you. That was very elegant, uh, Chris. Any thoughts on the second base position? Retweet, Chris. <laughs> retweet Dave and said it. Uh, what, what about you, Danny? Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Pedroia come back. I think a lot of people have uh, kind of just shut the door on Pedroia and said like, you know, he should retire at this point. But we we anybody who's been a fan longer than you know two three years knows that Pedroia is like one of the most dependable guys um, when he's healthy and. Uh, and if he can get back to that point and even even just be a, a shadow of his former self, it would be an upgrade. So I'm uh, I'm I'm not closing the door on Pedro. I'm looking forward to seeing him come back and try and prove that he still has something left in the tank. Yeah, I'm kind of mad at myself because Pedro's in Greenville right now and Greenville, obviously, uh, I'm in North Carolina. So that's two hours away from me or less than two hours. And I, mm. I, I was able to cover them last year for Red Sox and filter a little bit. And I didn't cover them when Dustin Madroya was in Greenville because that is my all-time favorite player. That would have been a lot of fun, sure. but yeah. Uh, Pedroia's doing well in Greenville and I don't think he's going to be there much longer. So my opportunity is basically over at this point. Oh, that would be spontaneous. I just get in my car and go see Pedroia. Huh? Yeah. Nah, I already have Knights tickets. I already have Charlotte Knights, which is a triple A white Sox team uh, for tonight. <laughs> so can't, nice. can't go to Greenville. Uh, yeah. So the second base position, um, it's kind of in flux right now, but until Pedroia comes back and again, we're going to sprinkle some Holt Nunez in there. I'm surprised Nunez has kind of played, uh, about the same as Holt, maybe even a little more. He started like the first series at second base. Um, I feel like Holt is significantly, not significant. I feel like Holt's a better player, more reliable. And I, Holt, and I was, Holt's better, but if you play him with any semblance of regularity, he like crumbles into pieces. I think that's just Cora saying, well, Nunez is going to be bad in the first and second half of the year. Holt can be good throughout. Let's try to keep him good. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to conservation strategy, but yeah, that, that is true. Our next question is from Heath Johnson. He at Heath Johnson 78 on Twitter. He says, Red Sox farm system. How deep is our farm system? 
and what this June draft look like for us. Dave, you want to you want to take this away? Uh, I'll take this one and I'll try to keep it brief. So um, the Red Sox farm system right now, it doesn't have too many. It's not top heavy. There's no like Vlad Jr. superstars coming through the system, but it does have a lot of depth that I think really gets overlooked. Um, if you're talking Pawtucket, the most pro ready guys right there are Michael Chavis and Travis Likens. Um, those two, Chavis is obviously, he has, he's our best prospect. I think he's going to be a starter in 2020, but he's blocked at third by Raphael Devers and first base by Mitch Moreland and Steve Pierce. And he probably needs more time to work on his defense at first anyway. So barring an injury, he's probably not coming up this year, but I expect him to be 2020's opening day first baseman. Uh, Lakins, I think could get the call at basically any minute for the bullpen help. He's blocked because a lot of our bullpen arms don't have minor league options, and obviously you want to preserve as much depth as possible. But if injury strikes, I think Lakins is going to be the first pure reliever called up. Um, Mike Schwarn's another interesting name, but he's not on the 40-man roster, and he just started in Pawtucket last year. He's not the most exciting prospect per se, but he's got a decent pitch tool, and I think he could be sort of the spot starter of the future for when we need a guy in an emer- in like an emergency situation. He'll probably carve out a role in the majors as like a long arm or a fifth starter if the Red Sox rotation really starts looking ugly. But there's definitely roles for guys like that. Portland's the one where I'm really interested. If you ask me, that has our best prospects right now, like top to bottom. We got Darwins and Hernandez, Tanner Huck, and Denny Reyes as three of the five starters in there. Reyes pitched yesterday, six innings, two runs, a really great outing. Um, Huck's getting the ball today and... Hernandez gets it tomorrow, I believe. I can't wait to see what those guys do because I think those both of those two have a good shot of making it as a starter. Reyes doesn't have the stuff, but my God, his control is otherworldly. If he can continue to do it against higher-level competition, if his like elite control plays up against better hitters, then he should make it as a starter too. He's just that good with this command. Um, offensively, CJ Chatham is the shortstop in Portland. He's, um, I want to say he's the number eight prospect per MLB pipeline. Uh, he's a defensive whiz who doesn't really have much power in his bat, although he has the swing for it. He went three for five yesterday, two doubles. So if he can continue to get power, he's never going to be an everyday starter. He's not threatening Xander Bogarts by any means, but he has the chance to be a utility infielder and be a pretty good glove off the bench. Um, moving down Salem, you got Brian Mata, 19 control issues as a starting pitcher. Cutter Crawford came out of nowhere last year, became a really good uh, pitcher. Let's see if he can do it again. He was an 18th round pick. And I'll keep this quick. Greenville Drive, uh, Tristan Casas, he's cool. Um, last year's first round pick only played three games. Alex Scherf's throwing 97. He is a top prospect but had a really bad 2018. If he can bounce back, that's awesome. And Lowell Spinner's. Anthony Flores is the future. He's such a fantastic prospect. 18-year-old shortstop. If he stays healthy, he's going to be in the MLB Top 100 next year. David out. David out. Uh, very nicely said, Dave. You covered every single level. So I feel like you said it. You said, you said it on behalf of us. I don't know if anybody else wants to talk about the prospect system, but I think Dave had it covered. No, so good Dave, job. Dave, Dave killed it. There we go, Dave. Yeah, Dave is our resident prospect expert, so... That's I didn't cover the GCL, but who cares about that? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, we need to get to the Gulf Coast League, and then, and then we'll be, we'll be I will fully admit I know nothing about that. I, I can do everything on the coast but or everything in the States, but if you put me in the Gulf Coast, it, it's now. We appreciate your honesty. We don't have a GCL expert on the site, but we will work on it. 
Uh, Danny, I don't know if you're free if of any free time, but uh, maybe you can uh, brush up on your GCL knowledge and come back the next time with a with, oh, with a yeah. lot of information. We maybe we'll send you out there too. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll do my homework. <laughs> we can't pay for like any travel accommodations, but you know that maybe get a press pass. <laughs> oh, okay, great. Uh, okay, so our last question here is from Tim Mertland, Tim J Mert. He says. The one positive from last night's game, Tyler Thornburg and how he might actually be worth something this season. Didn't really form a question, but he's just asking, do uh, you think Thornburg can be worth something? Uh, Danny, I'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I think Thornburg can be worth something. I, I actually could see him. Um, it seems as of right now that, that uh, Core is going to give multiple people save opportunities. I could see him getting, uh, getting a couple as well because he has a little bit of uh, closer experience. So I, I think he's va- valuable to the team if uh, if he continues pitching pretty well, like he's he's done uh, well so far. So um, yeah, I, th- I think he I think he can be a value to the team in multiple roles, seventh, eighth, possibly even the ninth inning. Dave, uh, what about you? What do you think? Well, we were talking a little bit about this earlier, but do you think Thornburg could be actually worth something? Um, I'm cautiously optimistic because he was only bad in one game. He had two where he was really good, including last night. It's too small a sample for me to get excited, and I think his ceiling is the third best pitcher in the bullpen. But if you can get something close to 2015 Thornburg, even like a gross approximation of it, I'm happy. You know, you're never going to get back from Thornburg what you gave up to get him. Like it's never going to be worth Travis Shaw and all the other prospects, but. If you can get something out of him, just even a little bit of stability, I'll be happy. He's shown some signs of life, so here's hoping he can keep doing it. But I don't see him being better than Barnes and Brazier this year. Yeah, his command seems like oddly okay right now. He's only walked one guy. If you were if you would told me that he would only walk one guy to this point, I'd be like, huh. And, and the thing is, he also has five strikeouts. Like underlying numbers, four innings look good, and he gave up what that one monster home run, but that's it. And home run yeah. rate was was a, was a problem last year, so. I think, you know, I, I again, like, like you, I'm still very cautiously optimistic about Tyler Thornburg, and I, I do need a larger sample to actually, you know, have this hold weight. Um, but, hey, I think, I think Chris is feeling pretty good right now when he was making his Thornburg prediction, though he did say Thornburg would get the most saves on his team. And That's think, not happening. T. Yeah, Thorns, he's going to take over. Watch out. I think that was a losing he's coming. in the beginning. Actually, there is, there is a slight chance it happens, although not in the way that makes Chris look good. Um when when uh, Brazier got a save, the only reason he did is because we used Barnes in the higher highest leverage situation, which I think is the right way to manage a bullpen. Have your best guy in the biggest moment and then save your second best guy to close the game is your insurance policy, so to speak. So if Thornburg can like overcome Brazier somehow, which I don't see happening, I could see us continue to use like, you know, we're in trouble. Barnes saves the day and then Thornburg uh, comes in at the end to get the save. But so Thornburg might get more saves. I doubt it, but it's possible that he won't be the better pitcher. That's yeah, a, I thought that game was. <laughs> no, it isn't. That's exactly what he had in mind. Yeah, I thought that was managed beautifully by Cora, um, putting Barnes in the what was it, the eighth inning in the highest leverage situation, and then bringing Brazier in. And I think Barnes it was the seventh. Seventh inning. Oh, yeah, because if it was the eighth, they probably would just let oh, right, Barnes right. go the rest of the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, that 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 was interesting. Obviously, we have not really gotten a huge feel for how the safe situation, close situation is going to work out because we haven't won a lot of games, but uh, that's something to monitor going forward. And I think Bards and Brazier are kind of uh, 
at this point, maybe interchangeable for Cora, and they both obviously can close out games. But I, I think we both agree that Barnes is the better pitcher of the two. So that's actually going to do it for this episode, guys. Number 46. Uh, Dave, you got a departing thought for the listeners? Um, if you don't want to watch the Red Sox, if that's just too depressing for you right now, pay a close attention to what's happening today in Portland. Tanner Huck's taking the mound. And if you're ranking prospects likely to make it to the majors as a starter, I'd have Huck near the top of that. So you're going to want to see what he does. Okay, yeah, a little, little shout-out to Portland. Uh, what about you, Chris? Uh, any departing thoughts for the listeners? Uh, don't hit the panic button quite yet. That too. And don't hit the panic button, more importantly, on Jackie Bradley Jr. It's a long season, guys. He, he's, got, he's got 20 home run power just waiting to be released. I mean, yeah. to find panic, I, I think I'm hitting the it's the same Jackie Bradley we've always seen button. Yeah, I, I am too. I just, you know, people just, when Jackie Bradley Jr. gets in these funks, which are more often than you should, people start losing faith that you can also have really hot streaks, I guess. Yeah, uh, I've, I've yeah. seen this movie enough times to know that, like, just wait till May and it's going off. Yeah. But yeah, uh, you can follow this or you can listen to this podcast on a variety of different platforms. We're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher. Um, and if our lovely par- affiliates, The Grueling Truth, decide to put this on their various platforms, you can find us on iHeartRadio, too. It's been a rough start, guys, uh, two and seven. However, this it's a long season. So definitely baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. I'm going to throw that cliche out at you for some perspective. Um, they are, they, they're again, their percentage of making the playoffs, their chances have gone down precipitously. However, it is not over by any stretch of the mile. They still have a 70% chance of making the playoffs. The Red Sox will get off the West Coast after the uh, next two days and don't have any 10 o'clock games after this. So I will be able and to also, watch them. Also, if, it were the NF, if this were a football season, we are three quarters of the way through the first game of the season. Exactly. Yeah, there's perspective for you. But yeah, guys, uh, thanks for listening as always. And, and go Red Sox. We'll be back next week to talk more. And hopefully we will have a better record. Bye, guys. Just do like a blooper I'm gonna, reel. I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna create just a blooper like... set. <laughs>